Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. I'm Joe Ovias. Jillio is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. Happy Election Day. You know the best part about early voting is that I can just stroll into my voting place like it's no big deal. I'm still a procrastinator when it comes to that. But yeah, go vote. That's what you should do. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? Oh, is the modem broken? May the internet went down. Oh no! Is it, is it finally time to upgrade from the twenty-eight-eight to the fifty-six K? Might be. Yeah, I'll see if I can hey, find you know, one. Actually, you know what? So I had to kick someone off the phone. That's me, what I had to do. Let me go. Let me go to Babbage's in the mall <laughs> and see what I can find. Is there a Radio Shack nearby? <laughs> there used to be. Remember, there was one on Six Forks, yeah. uh, Six Forks and Wake Forest Road where the Kroger was. That's right. That bad boy shut down years ago. But there was a radio shack nearby. It's brought to you by Geico. Got any number of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. So the Powerball drawing was delayed, but then it finally came out. It was initially announced that there was no winner, but then there was a winner. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mm, something, something kind of fishy. Something kind of fishy, right? Yeah, I know some people that actually went and bought tickets this morning. I was like, oh, I'm going to go vote real fast and buy some Powerball tickets since nobody won. But somebody did. Yeah. A lone winning ticket for the record $2.04 billion jackpot was sold in Altadena, California. I believe that's just outside L.A. Ticket was sold at Joe's Service Center. Okay. Okay. Powerball.com said there was one winner who matched all six numbers in California, the odds of which were one in 2.92 million, according to the Multi-State Lottery Association. So congratulations. This was a Powerball jackpot that cleared two bill Meaning that after taxes, for the first time in the lottery's history, you actually walk out of here as a billionaire. Mm -hmm. Not winning the billion-dollar jackpot, but actually getting the billion dollars out of this. That's insane to me. Um, by the way, that still would not buy you an NFL team. I'm just no. saying. If they hand, I know you can prorate these things and everything else, but if they literally gave you the lump sum of over a billion dollars, you could not walk up to Dan Snyder and say, fine, give me the team. Dan Snyder would look at you and say, I need $6 billion more. Mm -hmm. Now, you could probably use some of that billion dollars and get into the Ponzi scheme that is the MLS. I might actually have, had I won the Powerball, I might, I might have said, fine, let's, Let's get an MLS team. I'll pay the half million or the half a billion dollars it would cost to get it, just like David Tepper paid that amount for Charlotte FC. And then with the rest of the money, I would probably give it to the ACC. Mm -hmm. And that still wouldn't be enough to catch up 
with what the Big Ten and the SEC is getting, or hell, even what the Big 12 is getting from ESPN with their new television rights deal. You could buy like one year of the TV rights deal for the Big Ten. All of that is to say, folks, that a billion dollars ain't what it used to be, okay? Yeah. I, Big Dunda would sell you the cans? I, for a billion, yes. Yeah. For a billion cash, I could buy the cans. Probably seven fifty. He'd probably take it. Maybe, maybe. No, he would take the billion. Well, I mean, of course. Come but... If we know anything about Tom Dundon, he wants to win a negotiation. What would a billion dollar? How many months of Twitter blue would that get me? Mm. At eight dollars a month, I'm not going to do the math. Next up, one of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Hoops back. We had all three triangle teams in action yesterday. NC State. Carolina, Duke, all to varying degrees of expectations. The biggest expectations are in Chapel Hill with the Tar Heels. And, I mean, yeah, was it a little bit of an adventure against UNCW? Sure it was. Did they get out-rebounded by UNCW? Yeah. Does it matter? No. The only thing, look, the best way to look at college basketball right now is all these things that are happening in November and December are not meaningless, but stay healthy, get better, Come to me in January. Now, the thing about Carolina that's going to be intriguing in the storyline to watch is game to game, how do they come together and find their new roles in the absence of Brady Manic? They don't have Brady Manic, who kind of singularly took over and made every three, it seems, right? Pete Nance ain't that guy. They know that. He knows that. But what's his role going to be? We talked to C.L. Brown of the News and Observer who covers the Tar Heels, and he pointed that out in our conversation that, you know what, Pete Nance actually came through and did? Helped out when Armando Baycott got into foul trouble. So everybody's going to understand their roles, and this team's only going to get better as the season improves as a veteran team, or as the season continues. The only question for the Tar Heels is, how do they transition during this time from the team with no expectations and a low point in that Wake Forest loss to a team with all the expectations? Meanwhile, at Duke, John Shire debuted in a regular season game as the head coach of the Blue Devils. I will admit it was a little weird in the same way that it was a little weird to see Hubert Davis as the head coach last year. I'm so used to seeing Roy Williams come out the tunnel. Yeah, Hubert was a little like, whoa, whoa, this is for real. Same thing. Same thing with John Shire yesterday where I'm so used to seeing Mike Krzyzewski come out of that room by the media center, come out the corner and off to the bench, that I'm like, whoa, that's John Shire for real. And John Shire also soaked it in before the game. Well, I just take a moment before going out there. You know, what an opportunity. What a moment. You know, this is a place I've grown up in, playing, coaching, and to be here, you know, as a head coach. Like, I was I was not going to be anywhere other than this moment right now. So that's John Shire. Meanwhile, NC State just fine in their opener against Austin P. Next up. Some changes are coming to Wordle. New York Times, you'll remember, bought the mm-hmm. word game. Uh, I was going to say, your ears perked up, didn't they, Dennis? Yeah, they did. So, I still play. So the New York Times, I know you play because it gets tweeted out all the time. Yep. So the New York Times now owns Wordle, right? And the Times announced that they're going to do a system change, and they're actually going to give Wordle its own editor. So Wordle now uses an answer list that is curated by them, not by the original programmer. And they've shrunk their possible answers to omit plural forms of three or four-letter words with ES or S. So words like moles, pants, will never be the right answer. But women can, according to the story in the Washington Post. So 
this was my surprise when I saw this headline about making changes to Wordle and people having opinions with Wordle is that people are still playing it? Heck yeah. Okay. It's part of your routine, right? Yeah, it just Is that has. what it's about? Okay. That it's, makes sense. It gets the brain going a little bit. I get that part. There used to be a game on the Nintendo DS called Brain Age. Okay. And it would, you know, the, the, the gimmicky science behind it is how quickly you could answer math questions. Could you see a picture and do your best to draw the picture that you just saw? And then it would tell you what your brain age was mm-hmm. with an optimum level. I think it was like somewhere in the 30s. Anyway, it would doing math equations would definitely get my brain going. I'm terrible with word games. It's probably why Words with Friends did not last very long for me. Yeah. I know people still play Words with Friends. Do they really? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. All right. But if it's like a math type thing, I'm all into that. But I've shifted to just playing Nintendo Switch games at this point. Next thing that I'm going to do, did you just pro- Did you just post your Wordle? Yeah, I did. I saw it in the rundown. I was going to wait for it. So you already completed it? No. You're, you Did you just do Wordle during the show? I did it during the break. Okay. At least you did it during the break. The former producer did Wordle in the middle of the segment. I have heard. Just saying, I will judge that hard as hell if it happens during the course of a show. Break, I get that. During the segment? Mm, somebody somebody got called out for that one day. <laughs> Rand, as they should have. Next up. Did he get it right? Number he did, two. actually. Okay. He did get it right, but that's not the point. The point is, don't be playing Wordle in the middle of a segment. That's the point. I don't care if he got it right. Speaking of points, people seem to be missing the point with what Jim Ursay was saying today. The owner of the Indianapolis Colts, I should say yesterday, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts held a press conference announcing Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. Now, some people were put off that there was even a press conference announcing an interim head coach. Eh, no, that typically actually happens. Let's, let's think about what happened with Steve Wilkes when he was elevated to interim head coach. He had a press conference. He was given questions. He answered him, whatever. This was after David Tepper had given his press conference. Maybe the part about this press conference that was different was that you had Jim Irsay, the owner, Chris Ballard, the general manager, and Jeff Saturday there for an awkward display as Irsay defended the hiring while Jeff Saturday was sitting there. And here is Jim Irsay explaining why he hired Jeff Saturday and made a very interesting analogy. He has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players um, uh, and has been a consultant for us for several years, a paid consultant, um, you know, uh, informing Chris and I and other people in the organization, you know, his opinions. Uh, So to me, uh, you know, I, I know people can, you know, look out and, and, and see it uh, and, and ask that question. But, um, you know, th- you know that, that doesn't surprise me. I understand. Look, at, I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. Does he know how to build a football team? I mean, Chris Ballard, the general manager, is sitting right there. Big reason why Frank Reich is no longer the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts is that in every season under his watch, they had a new starting quarterback on opening day. They got the quarterback position wrong every single time. Whether it was Carson Wentz, who Frank Reich had coached when he was with the Eagles before he took that job. I'll fix him. I know him. 
didn't work out that way. This season with Matt Ryan clearly did not work. Phillip Rivers even before Wentz. Yeah, it's just it. they've been going after the aging, busted-up quarterback as though you're going to get one last shot of glory. No, these guys are with you for a reason. They're washed, unfortunately, and their previous teams have decided to move on from them. That is not a winning strategy. Who's that on? I mean, Frank Reich is only making so many decisions. I think everybody understands that Jim Irsay is pretty involved with these decisions. And the fact that Chris Ballard is still there. If, you, if you're Chris Ballard, do you even want to be there after they just pulled what they pulled? Because Jim Irsay is absolutely full of it when he talks about experience. Well, yeah, he's experienced. He played in the NFL. Well, a lot of guys played in the NFL, and you're not calling them up. Heck, you've got a guy on staff who is just as loved as an Indianapolis Colt in Reggie Wayne. Why didn't you give him the opportunity instead of the consultant who's only had coaching experience comes at the high school level? The whole thing really speaks to two issues right now with professional sports. The first one is there are some organizations that are completely unserious about winning that The super rich dudes are ultimately going to do what the super rich dudes want to do. And they want to surround themselves with guys they know or they trust or they feel that you don't see what I see. Because they don't have anybody around to tell them that's not a good idea. So that's where we are with Jim Irsay. And it shows you yet another organization that is absolutely unserious about winning. In the NFL, there are a couple owners like that. You also got Dan Snyder with the Washington football team. That is an owner who is unserious about truly winning. He might love his football club, and he gets to tout that, hey, I'm the biggest super fan around, but he's too interested in doing other things like getting away from the truth of what happens in that workplace than actually putting together a winning football club. And and poor Ron Rivera. I can't say poor Ron Rivera. Rivera knew what he was signing up for when he took the head coaching job with uh, with, with the football team, with the commanders. But they position Ron Rivera as like, here's a good, true man that'll get that team right. No, because the owner is still unserious about winning. In the NBA, you got the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. That is not a serious organization, the way they've handled things with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Steve Nash as the coach. The fact that Kyrie Irving is still on that squad shows you they are unserious about truly going out there and trying to win. It is time to move on. Now this gets to the other problem with the NFL. I understand that Jeff Saturday is likely not going to be the head coach of the Colts next season. And that this is tanking of the highest order. I mean, who did they just name as their play caller? Assistant QB. Co- let, me, let me put it. This assistant quarterback. Assistant. Yeah. Quarterback coach. He's assistant to the quarterback coach. Parks Frazier is going to call the plays. He's their passing game specialist assistant quarterbacks coach. What? Yeah. Okay. It's like the Andy Bernard. Like, this is how deep we're getting into this. This Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Now, the fact that we're in this position shows you that the Colts are truly about tanking. Fine. So be it. And I get the argument that's being made. And I know Jillio made this argument yesterday as it relates to what is being really gained by putting, say, Reggie Wayne in a, in a no-win situation or what's happening with the Carolina Panthers and Steve Wilkes. That's a no-win situation for Wilkes. He doesn't really have a true shot at winning the head coaching job permanently. 
given that the team is not really interested in winning. You saw with Brian Flores. Those are valid arguments. And I feel like those are valid arguments for a separate conversation about hiring practices in the NFL. What Jeff Saturday shows you gets back to my original point about owners who are unserious about winning. That ultimately they're going to do what they feel like doing and they will circumvent every single guardrail the league can put up about trying to hire a more diverse coaching group. That I paid this amount of money for this team. I make billions. I make the decisions. You can't tell me what to do. And I'm going to put my guy in there. That's a problem. It's a huge optics problem. And somewhere, Steve Wilkes, who was asked today about, hey, what would you think about Jeff Saturday, is not going to answer publicly. But I bet you when they saw that news yesterday, Mm -hmm. Steve Wilkes probably texted Brian Flores and went, can you get a load of this crap? And probably also hit up the lawyers going, please tell me this helps our case. How could this not help our case? Where this team just hired somebody with zero head coaching experience in the NFL to be the interim coach while there were other qualified candidates that could have. Please tell me that helps the case. And I'm, I am not a lawyer. I am not trained in these matters. But logically, I see what happens. And I think to myself, yeah, Brian Flores is probably sitting there nodding his, going, nodding his head going, yup. I told you. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. We got another college football playoff rankings tonight. They'll debut on ESPN, much like last week. You don't get wrapped up too much in the top four, but you can get informed by what the back end of the top 25 is going to look like. We'll get more of an opportunity to take a guess as to what the framework the committee is trying to build And I'll explain that next. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete DeRuda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group college football playoff rankings come out tonight you're not going to see clemson in the top four the question is how far are they going to drop you're not going to see alabama in the top four question is how far are they going to drop my guy my guy paul feinbaum espn he was on with Keyshawn j will and max and you knew you knew with clemson losing that he was going to hop on the airwaves and just dance a little dancey dance about Dabo taking that L, and they're out of the college football playoff contention. Here he is from this morning. Well, I think it says for starters he's got the wrong quarterback in there. I think he has to go to his freshman because DJ is a is a great name, and we've all you know, had to learn how to pronounce it. But uh, but he's but he's no longer the fu- the present or the future of of Clemson uh he, he's not the next Trevor Lawrence and 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 I, I think when when you're when you're Clemson you always play with fire uh, it's always a one or two game season because the ACC is 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 weak compared to uh, the Big Ten and the SEC and they barely got by Wake. uh you mentioned you know some of the other games that they've struggled in and and Notre Dame just you know just un, undid them and they, they don't have a path back they don't have a good game that they can win this back with. They have, they have South Carolina at the end of the season, so they're out of luck, even with only one loss. 
We'll see about that. That's Paul Feinbaum on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, which you can listen to here on 99.9 The Fan. I don't necessarily disagree with Clemson being completely out of it. A one-loss conference champ, depending on some other matters, can backdoor their way in. I find it really, really difficult to believe that like a two-loss Alabama is going to get a true shot at this. But the way Feinbaum talks, and we use Feinbaum oftentimes in this program, to make a point, it's not... I don't want to dunk on Feinbaum. I use Feinbaum to dunk on how these conversations are made because if it's not him, it's Joel Klatt. If it's not Joel Klatt, it's somebody else that's constantly telling you that, well, the ACC isn't good. Well, the rankings would tell you otherwise. They barely got past Wake Forest. Well, Wake Forest was a top-10 team before they got hit with some uncharacteristic turnover issues from Sam Hartman in the Louisville game. And they lost to what looks like an NC State team that might have found its footing again after a wobbly moment post-Devin Leary's injury. The loss to Syracuse, the comeback win against Virginia Tech. So, it is it is disingenuous to, to talk about the ACC the way it's discussed when a two-loss Alabama team isn't viewed by the standard of Alabama. It then gets viewed by the standard of the SEC. You can't sit here and tell me that Alabama isn't in the same boat as Clemson against a weak SEC. You can't. And also with Alabama, they've got very, very, shall we say, fortunate wins against Texas and Texas A&M. The fact that Tennessee beat them on the final play, only to see Tennessee get run by Georgia, reminds you that Georgia's on another level. And I think that ultimately, to me, is the real conversation. And what we'll see tonight. Georgia's going to jump up to them one spot after they beat Tennessee. What happens with Ohio State after they looked eh against Northwestern? Michigan fans will be happy that they get to move up. But now you got LSU. How much do you value a win over Alabama that's been... We can all recognize this is not vintage Alabama. So what do you do with LSU with their two losses? Do you elevate them against over TCU? So there's a, there's a whole bunch of things we'll see tonight that'll once again not be things you should take permanently because as we witnessed this past Saturday, a lot of stuff can change in a single day. But more focused on the framework that the committee is going to work with going forward. I'll use this analogy a lot between now and the conference title games. Think of the committee as your favorite wrestling promotions writer's room. It's the WWE, it's the AEW creating storylines for the rest of the weeks to create interest. If you don't think it's working, folks, did you see the ratings for the Tennessee-Georgia game? Had like 13 million viewers. What do you think the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be? It might hit 15 million viewers. These are college football games, thanks to the college football playoff, that are getting better ratings than the average World Series game at this point. So, it's kind of funny. There was a lot of discussion about name, image, and likeness and how it was going to ruin college football, that everybody's going to get mad if players are getting paid, they're not going to watch college football anymore. Or the college football playoff is so terrible, it's taking away you know, all these things. Two things have been proven true so far. One, people are still watching in droves, and they're only watching more of it. And the expansion of the college football playoff is only going to create more opportunities for people to see implications for how the postseason is going to play out. And that's what we're seeing unfold. So... All the hand-wringing about college football, clearly a little premature or just straight-up wrong in terms of how things were going to go. 
More great news for Cary commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, voice of the Carolina Hurricanes on Valley Sports. You can catch him here on 99.9 The Fan as well. It's Mike Maniscalco. Mike, what up, my man? Uh, not much, Joe. Just uh, getting ready for uh, a very busy month of November that we've already started, but it, it just seems like it's home road, home road, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess a good rhythm to get in, but you know, you, you leave the bag at the door. <laughs> it's like the old uh, time to make the donuts commercial. It's going to feel like that's true. And the, and the hurricanes are eight, three and one. And I guess after a month, a month into the season, I guess there's two major talking points. Uh, the first one's positive. The other ones, I wouldn't say negative. It's more of a concern. Let's start with the positive first. And that is uh, there was a lot asked of Marty Natchez last season and a lot of hand-wringing over what the heck was wrong with the guy. Kane showed some belief in him, and here he is paying it off in the early part of the uh, of the schedule. The guy has been on fire, and I don't want to like push this all the way out to the spring, but you hope that this is something that is throughout the season. It certainly couldn't ask for a better start, though. No, absolutely not. Now, I think for me the big part of it, Joe, is he's got confidence, and he was the guy who I think needed to get off to this start to show that the skill set that's there – can translate to this kind of production. Mm-hmm. And his line is is really good because Andre Svechnikov starts off the season with eight goals. Well, yes, Barry Kodkaniemi is not getting points. He right now is excellent in the faceoff circle. Heading into the game the other night against Toronto, he was at 58% winning a faceoff every time they dropped the puck. So that line is starting with the puck and, and good things are happening. But for Natchez, I think for him, it was just a matter of, of believing in himself he went and he had a great offseason talking to uh, head strength and conditioning coach Bill Berniston that he came in in his best shape so far mm-hmm. in his Carolina Hurricanes career. And, and again, for me, the skill had always been there, Joe. I, I think it was just let's get the results. And sometimes with Marty Natchez, he plays the game so fast that it's he can be in front of the puck. And I know that that's going to sound weird to some, but meaning like he doesn't bring the puck with him. Like he's right. He's he's not where he's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. now He's got it. He's got it sorted out where he's using his speed as a weapon, not as something like he's playing the game too fast. He's making people play at his speed. And that's why we've seen this great start to the season. Mike Maniscalco, Kane's play-by-play on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's the OG. Uh, Gilio is, he's got the sniffles today. Maniscalco hanging out with us this afternoon. <laughs> hey, look, man, it happened. It's, it, we oh, forget me, that colds going, happen. It's, it's going around. So, 
Somehow and I, and it's I respect this him. frame. I'll take it. Yeah. I, and honestly, I respect it because he understands I gotta I gotta be on a plane. You're getting ready to go on a plane. I'm I'm gonna yeah. be on a plane tomorrow for my brother's wedding. Last thing I need is a cold before uh, before that happens on Saturday. Not so, having it. So to to the slightly, uh, con, I guess concern if there could be a concern for a team that's eight three and one so far on the season. Penalty kill. The penalty kill was the the signature calling card for the Hurricanes last year, um, and the hand wringing was over. Well, can you score on the power play? I mean, obviously we we know how that played out in the in the in the postseason. So far, the penalty kill is okay. But I guess after what we saw last year, there's some, I guess, some some growing pains maybe, you know, sure. Brent Burns in the lineup, those types of things. How do you kind of view where things are at right now with the penalty kill specifically? You know, I, I think for special teams, and I've, I've said this before, Joe, so I'm sorry I'm not coming up with an original line for you. But <laughs> Oh, come on, Mike. You know this business. <laughs> I was going to say, it's Tuesday. I'm just trying to repackage stuff I said yesterday. Come on but now. It, it's the early season special teams in the NHL can be fool's gold. Sure. Because there have been teams that get off to these hot starts on the power play or their penalty kill because their goaltender's in a rhythm or just they, they get, you know, a really good group together that, that seems to work for them. Those first 15 games, people are like, oh, we're on to something here. And, and sometimes a team can be. But sure. for me, it's when we get to game 20, 25. That's usually what your special teams is going to be because you get to it's the quarter point of the season. There's really no pulling rabbits out of a hat. I think the one thing for the Canes is everybody in the league watched what their penalty kill did last season. And when you're going through, okay, this is what we want to do, everybody starts copying that, and now everybody is going up against that penalty kill. The high-pressure penalty kill, pressure on the points, trying to turn defense into offense instead of just, well, this was the, the league's best kill last year. How do we stop that, or how do we get around that? Well, now the focus shifted to the Canes. And you don't have Vincent Trocek early on. And just hear me out on this. The big thing that the Canes did last year is they started every penalty kill with Jordan Staller, Vincent Trocek in the faceoff circle, and they won damn near every faceoff they took shorthanded. They get the puck back to Jacob Slavin, and Jacob Slavin shoots the puck 200 feet, and 15 seconds have already gone by on the power play for the opposing team. So the new the new faces and the, the new members of the team and new people adjusting to different positions. You know, Derek Stepan has taken the role of Vincent Trocek on the, the first penalty kill unit. And he's been fine. He's been really good. But sure. you do have Brent Burns. I mean, you do have Brent Burns, who is now part of this. You you take a look. Tony D'Angelo fit in well on the penalty kill. The few times they used him for it. But it was really, it was really more guys like Brendan Smith and teaming up with Jacob Slavin and, and Shea and Pesci who are back there. So, you know, just a couple of new faces. And some guys have got to get used to that system. Uh, Brent Burns, of course, has to get used to it. And every game he gets better and better with what they're asking him to do. And he's a horse and he will eat up those minutes they want him to. So I, I, I'm not worried about it because I've seen it look the way it's supposed to look. Mm -hmm. uh, both the, the penalty kill and the power play. Now it's just finding the consistency of doing it. And there's no secrets in this league anymore. Once somebody does something good, everybody in this league tries to copy it or tries to figure out a way to, to get around it. Mike Metascalco, Kane's play-by-play Valley Sports, joining us here on the OG. You can listen to Mike here on 99.9 The Fan on uh, on game nights. And he's joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's interesting. You, I agree with you in that things kind of need to work themselves out. But And, and Jillio and I were talking about this yesterday, and, and you've been here long enough to understand this, in that I think that 
folks, whether it's fans or even us who have been covering the team for a long time, we haven't gotten over certain scars related to the Carolina Hurricanes, right? Because how many times have they missed the playoffs and we think, man, if they just had pulled that one game out in November, you know, they, they would be yeah. making the playoffs and you never know what happens. And I feel like last year, I feel like last year truly was the crossing of a Rubicon for how we should be talking about the Canes. You know, it's not about, oh, my goodness, everything's going to melt down if uh, they lose two or three games here. And Brendan Moore has been, like, stressing this as much as he possibly can. Process, process, process. I mean, how many times do we hear Brendan Moore talk about a win almost being like a loss in his mind because he feels that they were fortunate to get out of there with a win because he didn't like the process of the game. And they can lose a game but still like the way that they played because that's what he keeps stressing. And at some point, I hope the light bulb goes on and that we understand that if you're going to be cycling through some new players to get better, to do exactly what you want to do, which is go further in the playoffs, there's going to be a little bit of a curve here in the early portion. And so far, I think the Canes have kind of acquitted this. I'm not worried about Freddie Anderson. I'm not worried about the penalty kill right now. This stuff will kind of work itself out, and maybe we're still kind of learning to understand what it's like to have a winning culture with the Carolina Hurricanes now that Brendan Moore is the head coach. They've made the playoffs four consecutive years. They're yeah. going to make, uh, barring something catastrophic they should right. make it five right. years in a row like hootie and the blowfish you're... destroys pnc arena and there's nowhere to play i mean that that's right. how they keep yeah. you know that from happening yeah i mean there, there has to be something along those lines and i i'm glad you brought this up because yeah the, the stress from years past because the canes were three eight and one at this point in the season joe not eight yes. three and one last year they didn't lose in october they did not lose a game <laughs> In October, they won nine in a row to start the year. You know they what I don't miss? You know what I don't miss? Right now. You know what I really don't miss from those years? It's like, if they could just play home games during the fair, oh, then they'd yeah. make the play. Now, now they go on a Canadian road trip, and they, they look pretty good. You know, it's all yeah. good. Well, it's, it's funny because they came back from that West Coast swing, 3-1-1, one and, one, and people were actually upset that they, <laughs> how could they lose to Edmonton? All the Calgary games there. And and now this is if people if And people that's true, they, they should no, win those games, but it's all good. But they're in them. They yeah. they had a chance to win them. Like that yeah. that Calgary game, they were the better team. They yeah. really were. Uh the Edmonton game, they had a bad second period. And you know, this league is really good now. Like it, it, the one thing, except for maybe baseball, the one thing that every league has figured out is every team's gonna have some superstars. And they're going to have a chance to win every night where it used to be this team has, you know, nobody was beating the Celtics or the Lakers in the 80s. Mm -hmm. One of those things. Nobody was beating the Oilers in, in the 80s when, when they were really rolling. You know, those teams were just that good. Well, now, if, if you just take a period off, it shouldn't be enough to win. But some nights a team can steal it for you. Your goalies are. And this is where the eye roll will come in for people who are listening. And, and that's fine. Go back and watch the first 30 minutes of the game against the Leafs the other night. Yeah. Toronto had six shots on goal through 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know what more the Canes could have done, but when you go back and watch, they missed 25 shots on net. I Meaning they took 25 shots that did not get on Eric Shogren. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's a, it's not like they got outplayed by Toronto and you're like, oh man, what's wrong with this team right now? It was a few bounces don't go their way. Toronto's dangerous. You let them hang around, somebody's going to make a play. That's what this league is right now. We're the Canes, and you are right. Folks, let this scar heal. Stop scratching at the phantom limb because those are gone. Yeah. This team's really good. This team is in 
every game they play under Rod Brindamore. So I, I don't have that. It's funny, um, and I don't want to make this about me, Joe. There's enough people who do this, but I did a lot of those post game shows. No, I know. <laughs> and, I know you were there for those. Uh, you know, there, there, there's some. There should be some. I, I should have gotten some kind of uh, extra healthcare benefit for that or hazard pay uh, with a few. <laughs> That's why that's why I brought up the scars, because I think no, it, but, it's tough for us to kind of unlearn these these habits, even though they've been doing this the last four plus years. The thing for me is like going through that, like for me, I don't have any of that. I'm like looking around. I'm like, why can't we just enjoy this? I mean, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this team to the nth degree. They're mm-hmm. sitting on the bench the other day when Sebastian Ajo has a hat trick and they're bopping their heads to you know, naughty by nature. That That's fun. This is fun. In the words of Crash Davis, let's have some fun. And that's what the Canes are doing. Mike Maniscalco, Canes play-by-play Valley Sports. Catch him on 99.9 The Fan. Mike, we appreciate it. As always, have a safe trip to Florida. I'll wave to you from the air tomorrow when I'm on my way down to Florida dodging tropical storms. I will wave up from the, uh, the arena in sunrise at you. And uh, again, 8-3-1, and one. Everybody, it's all this good. Is really good. This is really good. And Joe, uh, because I've been in that position for many years, you know, anytime you need me to take, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes of a shift for you, just, just <laughs> tap me. I, I am good at chewing clock. It's what I do. I'm glad you said chewing clock. Chewing. Yes. Clock. I, because you know I, because because I'm I'm also like that too. I've said this to other people as well. Like, look, if you need me to kill a segment, I can suck clock with the best of them. You know what? After uh, the week I've had, let's just avoid any kind of reference or innuendo to that. Thank you. Let's do that. Mike Maniscalco, Canes. We'll talk to you later, man. Thank you. I, now I'm going to go enjoy a peanut butter cup. Thank you. Enjoy, yeah, a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's key. Career-driven individuals ready to unlock your potential? Discover William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Our classes are tailored for the working professional. Attend class on your terms with our online sessions and choose from various start dates throughout the year. Dive into a curriculum designed for success. Every class is a stepping stone that takes you closer to your career goals. Take one or more classes. It's in your hands. Elevate your career with William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Dive deeper at williampeace.info sps. Your journey begins here.